This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Grand Island Hotel in South Wales. This New Year's Eve, join us for the party of your life. Goodbye, 1959. Hello, 1960. New Year's at the Grand Island Hotel. It'll be a night you won't want to end. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's New Year's on Pod Cemetery with 1987's Bloody New Year and 2018's New Year, New You. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. In the movie 28 Days Later, what was the name of the virus that turned most people into flesh-hungry zombies? The name of the virus? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this is really easy and it's just not coming to me. The rage. Yep, the rage virus. Should have known that. Yep. Should have known that. I was actually this close to doing a 28 Days Later question because in my resources, I don't have any questions about New Year's and so I needed to look for something else. (laughs) Instead, my theme this episode is Urban Legend. Okay. All right, Kelsey. Yeah. What song does the first victim, college student Michelle Mancini, play in the car before she dies? In what movie? Urban Legend. What song does she play? Yes. Oh. Turn around? Which is... Sing the song to yourself. Every now and then I fall apart. Keep going. (laughs) Total eclipse of the heart. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Because it says turn around. Yeah, yeah it uh-huh. keeps saying turn around because it's right behind her. <laughs> All right. Our first movie up is 1987's Bloody New Year, with uh, written by Fraser Pierce, Hayden Pierce, and Norman J. Warren, with screenplay by Fraser Pierce and directed by Norman J. Warren, Warren Norman J. Warren. Starring Susie Aitchison, Nikki Brooks, and Daniel James, what is Bloody New Year about? A group of teenagers, I guess they're supposed to be, or, I don't know, early in their 20s or something. A group of kids get marooned on an island for a stupid reason, (laughs) and then are stuck in a time warp kind of thing. Okay. Now, it is available for free on YouTube. That's the only place it is, because it's just not streaming literally anywhere. So, steal it on YouTube, I guess. Should people watch this movie? Unless you absolutely loved House 2, no. Yeah. Unless you love movies that just random shit happens for no good reason, no, you don't need to see this. It, Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just shit just happens. And then more shit happens, and then it's an and-then movie, and none of it means anything. Nope. And uh, it's British, though, which we don't get a lot of. 
British horror movies. So that's interesting. It's also directed and uh, partially written by Norman J. Warren, who is kind of a name in the video nasty scene in England. Although this movie (laughs) caused him to quit making movies Forever. (laughs) He had such a miserable experience making this movie, dealing with the production company, making changes. When it came to the editing room, he just kind of sat back and let them do whatever they wanted. He was just so checked out for this movie. And you can see why. And you can, it shows. Yeah. (laughs) He specifically said, it was a good script and could have been a good horror film. But once again, the producer screwed up on it and it was ruined. Following the gunpowder mess, it was too frustrating. That was what put me off films. I went back to commercials. I had a nice line doing commercials for kids' toys at Christmas time. It was great. (laughs) According to Fangoria, the movie is also known as Time Warp Terror. There's also another title in the UK of Horror Hotel. So... I just thought that that was a little bit fun. (laughs) Well, you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1987's Bloody New Year. It started as a day out, a trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. Those who dare face a horrifying and bloody new year. Attacked by the dead. Threatened by evil. Chased by the unknown. Terrorized by monsters. They cannot escape the fate that awaits them when they become caught in the angry half-world. Dead or alive, they are locked in time forever. Trapped in the Hotel of Horror, they can check out any time, but they can never leave. What started as a day to remember ended in a bloody new year. Kelsey, can you get us started? How does Bloody New Year begin? We get a scene which is silent except for a stupid song playing over it. You mix a boy and a girl and you mix it all up and you get romance or something. It's a recipe for romance. All the songs are by Cry No More and the songs are kind of great in a way, but they just do not fit this movie at all. According to the sign, the name of the band is the Flying Cadillacs because this is a 50s New Year party. Uh, the sign says from 59 to 60, right? Goodbye 1959, hello 1960. And there is just this big party scene. And then when it's all over, there's one girl left and she looks at herself in the mirror and then someone grabs her from the mirror. And then we cut to present day 1987 England. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> With a bizarre scene at the beach, which neither Chris nor I are totally positive if the people we see at the first scene I mean, are the people we see in the next scene. I assume they are. But like they just got out of the out of the ocean. Yeah. But none of them are in bikinis the next time we see them, and none of them have wet hair, so yeah. I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> but there's a guy who is kind of the outsider. So there's two couples, and then there's a guy. And the guy 
kind of keeps trying to hit on the women, even though they're in relationships with his friends. Yeah. So he gets annoyed, and then he, like, walks away, and there's, like, a fun fair at the beach, which here in America, we just call that the boardwalk. Yeah, so the, the, the fun fair is at a place called Berry Island in South Wales, and most of the movie was was filmed on and around Berry Island. They actually offered up free rides on the rides to the public to be extras in this movie, and they paid... Uh, the equivalent of 863 pounds for the rights to just have the site and the attractions and everything for a week. And they just filmed all the stuff there. They just had free reign on this island uh, funfair. Fun. Yeah. So, now here's a weird thing that happens. I don't know if you even noticed this, Chris. There's a moment where... Some guy, I don't know if it's the guy we're watching or if it's a different person, he walks up to the fun fair, and then another guy walks up to him and just holds a gun to him. I don't remember that. And then it goes nowhere. You don't ever see it again. I don't remember that at all. I don't know if they meant to do that, or maybe if it wasn't a gun, but it certainly looked like one. But then it, like, cuts away and you never see it again. So I'm just like, I I don't know what just happened. Meanwhile, there is a girl on the tilt-a-whirl... I don't know if that's what you call it in England, but that's what we call it here in America. And these guys that run it are pushing a, this girl on it, like, in a, you know, if you know what a tilt-a-whirl is, it spins you as it goes, and they're spinning it harder and harder, and she's screaming, help, please, stop, let me off. Yeah. And so the two guys that have the girlfriends see this, and they're like, hey... Leave her alone. And so they have to get on there and they have to help the girl get off. So one guy, like, pulls the plug on the ride, but that just messes other things up, I think. Yeah, it kind of goes crazy. And He pulls a spark plug or something. At the same time, the girls have gone to get their fortunes read. Yeah. And the woman doing the fortune telling is like... When you stand next to the river, you only see part of it. If you go higher, you'll see where it goes. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean, but it doesn't matter because she gets interrupted because the boys come and tell them, we gotta go. Well, because they're being attacked by the carnies now. By the carnies, and somebody is driving a car all up and down this funfair trying to find their friends. We don't really get to see who's driving the car considering... I'm pretty sure all of our characters are out of the car, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But when the girls leave, the person doing the fortune telling looks into her crystal ball and screams. And yeah, we don't we don't see what she sees and it never comes back up, but we assume she's seeing the horrors that's going to befall these young people. So the guys take the girl who was screaming into like this scary ride? Because they're trying to get away from the carnies. And so there's, like, this scene that's, like, in the dark, but, like, flashing of scary things. Because they're in the dark, and they're seeing these things that way. And then the carnies are inside. But then the car <laughs> drives through <laughs> the ride yeah. and demolishes it. Uh-huh. And then they all jump in the car, and they get away. Cool. It's like a nonsense sequence of events. Yes. There is a funny line before any of this happens that I totally forgot to mention. 
something happens and the girl, oh, when they first get off the roller coaster, the girl says, oh, can we go again? He says, twice is enough for me without a break. And she says, that's what you say every night. <laughs> so cool. Because they have a lot of sex. Apparently. We, well, we'll see that when they get to the hotel. Yeah. They just can't stop having sex. Anyway, they all get into the car and now they're riding away. And they're pulling a boat along with them. So the next scene that we see is them on the boat. Yeah. In the water. And so they're taking a boat to get away from these carnies. And as they're riding along in this boat, the guy is whining about how girls are not interested in him. The one that doesn't have a girlfriend. And the single girl who was just attacked by men. Like, he tries to hit on her. It's like... Really, dude? <laughs> so, but he's whining and not paying attention. And the guys are like, hey, let us drive the boat. You're not doing shit. He's like, I can do it. And then immediately they hit rocks, uh-huh. uh, which destroys the boat. And one girl goes, I can't swim. And it's like, you got into a boat <laughs> yeah. on the ocean without a life jacket, knowing full well you couldn't swim. Yep. That's your own fucking fault. <laughs> so they all have to swim ashore. And the guy who was whining earlier, like, tries to grab the girl. And she's like, hands off. But then later she'll apologize for that because, you know. Why? Yeah. Anyway. We see that someone is watching them through the woods. Now, we will find out later that the Carnies followed them to this island. Yeah. But it makes no sense that they would have gotten to the island before they got there. Yeah, no. Because they wouldn't have known that's where they were going, because that's right. not where they were going. Uh-huh. But whatever. I guess it could be one of the people we'll see well, later. I guess when the boat sinks, they could have gotten there first, knowing that's the only place they could have gone. Maybe. So they're wandering around on this island, and they find, like, a skull <laughs> of, like, an animal. Uh-huh. And then they find barbed wire, and then there's a sign that says danger, and one person is like, I don't like this place. Right. No, oh, don't you? <laughs> they see, like, another boat has also crashed there, but they just, ah, fuck it, just keep walking. Because, well, they're freezing. They just had to get out of the water. So, you know, fuck investigation, we're freezing. So they get into the hotel. There's a big hotel on this island. And... They're like, this is weird. It's all set up for New Year's, but it's May, which was very upsetting to me. So I wanted this to be a New Year's it's, movie. It's July. July. Yeah. And they're like, well, it must be a gag because everything in here is fresh. Yes. I, I noted that too. So they all split up into pairs to look for people. One of the girls sees a face through the window and she screams. And then when her boyfriend comes to check it out, there's nothing there. And it's so funny because she says there was a face, but now it's gone. Meanwhile, the, the camera didn't cut away. We saw the guy and it's very obviously one of the carnies. And then we saw him just slowly move out of the frame. <laughs> and I'm like, were they supposed to cut there? Was it supposed to be like, oh, was it a a, a ghost? <laughs> like, because the the camera never cut. Uh-huh. We just watched him just walk out of the frame. Well, they said the editing room. Yeah, the director had checked out by this point. Yeah. So 
one of the characters sees like a magazine and he's like, hey, how funny is this? It's from 1959. And then he leaves it open. And as they walk away, it closes itself. (laughs) There's no explanation as to the exact nature of this haunting, which is like, okay. Is there a specific ghost? Is there, like, why would it close this magazine? There are two ghosts that we will see multiple times. All the other ones we don't see any more than just once. Yeah. This is when we get to see one of those. So the girl who was attacked on the Tilt-A-Whirl is by herself at some point, and a maid pops in. Yeah. And she's like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, We're willing to pay and everything. We just, we couldn't find anybody. And the maid's like, oh, don't worry about the others. They've all been taken care of. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Doesn't question that at all. This is Carol, by the way. Yeah. Meanwhile, the couple who never stop having sex, the girl is upstairs taking a bath. And she's all like, hello? Who's here? She keeps hearing things and seeing things. And then it's, oh, it's her boyfriend. And... Now they're going to have sex in the bathtub. <laughs> Are these the ones that get dressed all up in 50s clothing? 50s clothing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Janet and Rick. Yes. Meanwhile, the guy who was whining earlier, who was alone with the girl who got attacked, he's gone off on his own. I think this is when the lights go out. So he's looking for uh, the, the switches. Mm-hmm. And he comes across a concert. Yeah. This is Spud. That's right, his his name name. is Spud. uh And he's like, this is weird. Okay, so he sees the band playing. (laughs) Yes. And really all we do see is just like two Two guitars. Two dudes on guitars. uh And then they disappear. And all he has to say about that is, weird. (laughs) And then he turns and looks at the door and he says, I gotta get out of this place. Weird. I've got to get out of this place. Yeah, I wrote that. I wrote, I've got to get out of this place. And I wrote, yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, the couple upstairs get out of the bath and they get all dressed up in 50s clothing. And the girl who we saw in the first scene in the 50s, who was looking at herself in the mirror, stares out at her from the the mirror mirror and looks really depressed. And the girl's like, what the fuck? But then she lets it go because, oh, we're going to have sex again. Yeah. So who cares about that? In your clothes, by the way. (laughs) Just put on your clothes and I'm going to have sex in them. (laughs) Meanwhile... The other couple that's still downstairs. Leslie and Tom. Yes, Leslie being the one who saw the fo- the face outside. She's kind of our kind of our main character. I don't know. So Tom is playing snooker, which I guess is not the same thing as pool. It's not. I mean, it's played on a pool table. Uh, it looks like pool, but the rules are different. Okay. So she says, so it's funny because the other couple can't stop having sex. The dude, the other dude is just whining because he can't have sex. And then in this couple, Leslie desperately wants to have sex. She's like, what if we did it right here on the snooker table? Uh, But Tom is constantly worried that the other guy will get mad at him if he's not taking care of things or doing things right. So he's all about pleasing the leader of the group. 
not pleasing his girlfriend. Yeah. And we do find out later that supposedly he's always been in love with Rick's girlfriend. Yeah. So, anyway, when they leave the snooker room, uh, we see all of the balls come together. So there is a lot in this film where it's just like... They leave and then things move. But what I was going to say is that there's a lot of showing us how it came apart and then showing us it coming right back together. It's like, you just played it in reverse, which uh-huh. is fine. Right, yeah. It's just a funny thing to do over and over again. Oh, they also come across a room where the fireworks are being stored and they just go off on their own. Yes. It's just a minor, oh, spooky haunted. Yeah, and they're like, this whole place is crazy. Spud finds the other girl and he's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And she's like, well, we can't go anywhere without a boat. Like, what's your plan? We're on an an island. Yeah. Keep that in mind. The reason they're here is because they don't have a boat to get off the island. So that's the ultimate goal. Get off this island. So they, they eventually all come back together and they're talking about how crazy this place is. And then a vacuum comes to life. (laughs) And it comes after them, and then it goes down the stairs. It falls down the stairs, and they're like, what the fuck? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the girl in the couple who can't stop having sex is like, oh my god, we need the fuck out of here. And then her boyfriend's just like, don't be stupid. (laughs) I don't care that a vacuum just came to life on its own. You're an idiot. Yeah. Don't be stupid, Jen. Meanwhile, while they're having this conversation, a TV is on in the background. Yeah. Giving us all this exposition that we're like that they're not paying attention to. And it's something about how scientists are putting us in danger and they're messing with time, and that's mm-hmm. gonna put us all at risk. Well, there has been a slight delay in getting pictures from the monitoring plane. A small technical hitch that is being dealt with as quickly as possible. You see, in an experiment as uh, ambitious as this one... It's just it's one of my points, Look, why don't we all go downstairs and have a drink? Eh? Yeah, what a good idea, right? Yeah. And then they turn the TV off. <laughs> and they go and they find the hotel's small theater. Yes. And it's playing a movie called Fiend Without a Face. It's from 1958, I think. Uh, they got it for free because the director, Warren, is friends with the producer of that movie. So he just, like, let them use it. Nice. But to, to have a movie from the time period be playing. And so when the projector freaks out, it starts playing a video of the hotel. Yes. Like video footage that they filmed at the hotel. Yes. Yeah, so the movie, because the kids decide to sit down and watch the movie and then it goes straight to the end. And they're like, hey, what the fuck? And so he's trying to fix it. And he gets attacked by the film. And while that's happening, a film, uh, like as Chris said, of the people in the 50s at the hotel comes on. And Spud decides to get up and kind of make fun of them dancing. Uh Uh-huh, which is fun. And then one of the people from the film comes out of the film and attacks him. I thought that was pretty cool. (laughs) That was fun. And kills him, by the way. Kills him. Spud's dead now. He's really dead. <laughs> and that's all kind of anybody says about it. And they uh-huh. just kind of get over it real fast because uh-huh. Spud seems like he was the annoying friend in the group anyway. So they split up now. They got to find a way off this island. Also, we should say the guy who attacks and kills Spud then gets like sucked back into the camera. Yeah. It makes it a really funny like thwop sound. <laughs> <laughs> 
also, the girl who he was into, the one that was being attacked in the beginning, runs outside and sits on the swing and puts her head against the swing and is like, God, poor Spud. <laughs> Very silly and dramatic. Yeah. But the other girl is just screaming her head off and runs away because this is just too much for her to handle. Rick runs after her. The other couple, Leslie's like, I don't give a shit what he says. That was a monster. <laughs> like, I fucking saw it with my yeah. own eyes, and it's hard to believe, but I saw it, and he's not going to convince me otherwise. And then, is it Leslie that gets attacked by the she net? She gets attacked, and then Tom, like, throws something at it. Well, he ends up cutting it up, and from what he can see, nothing's happening to her. Uh-huh. He's just like, you need to stop moving. You're making it worse for yourself. But we can see the audience that the the, the rope is cutting into her skin. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's that. I forgot about that. And he ends up cutting it off of her. Does the ghoul attack Leslie, or does the ghoul attack the other no, girl? this is what I was thinking. The ghoul attacks Leslie and Tom... Throws something through it. Yes. So after Leslie gets attacked by the net, and he's just like, whatever, nothing was actually happening, but we know it yeah, was. you were just freaking out because you were caught in a net. Yeah. A ghoul pops up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't know who that is. And attacks her. And so Tom kills the ghoul with a spear for fishing. Uh-huh. And then the ghoul just disappears. Yep. Meanwhile, the couple who can't stop having sex, who have run away... Janet and Rick. ...start to hear people laughing, and Rick's like, hey, let's go towards the laughing. Such a weird scene. But everywhere they go, there's no one there, and then the laughter stops, and then it starts somewhere else. And it's just like like they're being laughed at, like that kind of laughter. And they're getting more and more confused, and then trees around them start to shake, and they're getting a little bit scared, and then it's like the laughter starts attacking them. Yes. Like, it was kind of hard to understand exactly what was happening. It's like they're being attacked by nothing, and the implication is it's the laughter. And the way that they show it, it's very Evil Dead. The camera is coming after them. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, three times in a row, they give you the same shot. Of the two running, stopping, looking straight at the camera, and the camera goes in between them. Yes, they like separate in the camera, and they just show that over and over Three again. times yeah. in a row. <laughs> oh my god. Like, what? Like, I like the idea of them being attacked by laughter. I think that's interesting. But you can't just do the same shot three times in a row. Yeah. Especially when your shot is, again, of them running stopping, looking at the camera, and then separating for the camera to go through. uh Especially when you're trying to tell me that they can't see what's attacking Mm -hmm. them. What? (laughs) And the music is god-awful. It's like super like dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, like really fast and crazy, and they're just being attacked by the camera that they can see. Yeah. Then they see footprints in the sand, so they get to the beach... And they start to see footprints, and they're like, where are they? I can't see them. (laughs) And then the footprints will disappear. Mm -hmm. And then they hear planes that aren't there. Yes, they, uh, Janet and Rick end up finding a plane crash. Well, we're not there yet. Or no, they they see a plane crash. Well, yeah, but that comes later. But at first they just hear planes, and Mm -hmm. they're like, there's nothing in the sky. 
Meanwhile, back inside the hotel, I think it's Leslie, Tom, and the other girl have gotten together. And they see the maid that the other girl saw earlier. And she's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And they run after her into a room that suddenly has a blizzard inside. Yes. And if you were wondering what the fuck I meant by only if you like House 2, this is what I mean. Yeah, they Just go into a new room and a new weird thing is happening. And random shit. Yeah, and it doesn't uh-huh. matter because they're in a time warp. So it's like, fuck all reasoning and sense. Uh-huh. Like I say, they don't explain the forces of what's going on very well. So this blizzard hits them. But then it's gone. And then we see this bizarre like jar thing and you hear this weird music and the girl looks at this jar and it looks like there's a person inside of it yeah like a mini tiny person uh-huh and then it's just gone yeah no explanation as to what that <laughs> was or was that? yeah no i don't know and it's not like a superimposed image of a person <laughs> forced perspective or anything like that it's just like a little figurine of a person <laughs> and then finally Something that kind of makes sense happens. One of the Carnies attacks. Yes, so the Carney attack scene, a lot of things happen in here when they're running from the Carnies. But ultimately what happens is one of them kills Leslie. Our semi-main character, I guess. (laughs) And uh, she dies and comes back as the more iconic... I would say, from what I can tell, of the ghouls, zombies, or whatever. That's her? Is her, yeah, uh uh-huh. That's her? Yeah, with the face, yeah. Okay, I had no idea that was her. I just thought that was just some random ghoul that suddenly became our main ghoul. No, no, that's Leslie. Good to know. Yeah. (laughs) They did not make that clear at all, because when we see her, she's got this fucked up face. Nothing happened to her face. Uh Uh-huh. And then she she kills the the guy who killed her, like throws him. Throws him him through a wall. Yeah. And And then she disappears. She comes back, though, at the hotel, uh, twists one of the Carney's heads off. Yes. And um, one of the girls is attacked by the little bird on the stairs, the, the banister. Yeah. It, like, grabs her or bites her arm, and she's freaking out. And while she's freaking out, Leslie is, like, walking up the stairs towards Rick, who has a shotgun now. And he shoots her once, and she doesn't, she barely even flinches. Nothing No, he happens. doesn't shoot her once. Well, I mean, he does, but he then it, like, the- it, like, keeps coming out of her stomach, like, and she just stands there like nothing's happening. Yeah, and, like, nothing, nothing happens to her until he shoots her a second time, and that blows her away. Then she's just dead. For some reason. It, it's not explained at all that why that one had this huge effect, but the first one did not. Anyway. <laughs> so... This is when they actually find the the plane crash. They're looking for the boat that the Carnies came in because that's how they're going to get off the island. And what are their names? Rick and Carol. So Carol, the one girl that was by herself, and Rick, kind of the leader of the guys, the the one who was having sex with Janet all the time. They go looking for the boat and they come across the plane crash here, I think. And then they see the pilot. Whose head explodes. (laughs) For no fucking reason. <laughs> Why they they did find the boat though. 
I have written down here, the movie should have ended here with them taking the Carney's boat, but we're only an hour in. Is it because they didn't want to leave without the rest of the people? Is there anybody left alive? I don't know. I don't remember. But I have, why did the pilot's head explode? It doesn't make any sense. The next note I have is about Tom attacking the girl who was with Rick. Janet. Janet. Yes. I don't remember why. There's He's a... suddenly a demon. And he, Yeah. Do we? Did we see him die? I don't think so. I guess he's gone missing at this point. I don't remember. Yeah. So Tom comes in, and it's Janet, and Jan. Oh, because he's been he's been hit. He's been hurt in some way, and she's yeah. helping him. And yes. he's like, "Oh, that feels so good, Janet." Oh, uh, but you were always Rick's girl, but I was always in love with you. And she's uh-huh. like, what the fuck? And then his voice changes into this demonic Saw voice. Saw that coming, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. It's very evil dead, like I said. And he tries to come after her. And then he gets trapped and his arm cut off. What happened Something. there? Somebody throws a tree on him? <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> this is what our notes are. It's just things happening for no fucking reason. And then at some oh, point, she gets the taken elevator. into the elevator. Yes. Oh, she gets, so they do a Nightmare on Elm Street pushing a face and hands through a wall. It just looks really bad. And then it grabs onto her and it pulls her into the wall. And the next time we see her, she looks like Han Solo when he's been Yeah, and Rick carbonite. freaks out and, and is scared, but the zombies are still after them, so they can't. Carol and Rick, so they can't like, and they're still do being attacked by the carnies. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but the last carny, don't worry, he'll get eaten up by a soup bowl, <laughs> a big vat, kind of like in Sleepaway him. Camp. Yeah, where it falls on him, where he goes into the into the boiling water. But this one, it just like personifies <laughs> and then like burps yep. when it eats oh, him. It burps. You're right. Jesus Christ, it burps. Yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, so we have Carol and Rick are the yeah, only it's two Carol left. Carol and Rick. So mm-hmm. they run for the boat and they're there and they're getting out into the water when Leslie shows up again. No, it's not Leslie. It's the other one. The one that Rick's with. That's why Rick stops. Janet. Janet. Janet oh, shows okay. up on the edge of the rocks and starts confused. shouting, no, don't leave me. Come back. Oh, this isn't what I was thinking of. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so they're about to get into the boat. They're about to leave. And he's just like, and she's shouting, don't leave. And Carol is like, it is a trap. She's dead. Do not go back. But Rick can't help it. He just loves Janet. So he goes back. Oh, no. This is before they got all the way to the boat. Because they still have to do the elimination dance thing. Elimination dance thing? Oh, oh, oh. Let me, so they're almost about to get out of the hotel. Carol and Rick are about to get out of the hotel when he starts to hear Janet shouting, please don't leave, stop. Carol says, it is a trap. Mm -hmm. It's a trap! But Rick can't help himself, so he goes back. So Carol follows after him. They come into the ballroom. Yes. Where the lights are down and there's a lady. I think it might be it Leslie. It looks like Is Leslie. It Leslie? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so 
See, I just thought this was just some random ghoul that suddenly became our narrator. And she's just like... I have written down here, they're just going to tell us the backstory? Just say it? Yep. There was an experiment. An experiment that went terribly wrong. The government in Melbourne sent up a plane on New Year's Eve. A plane carrying a device that could change the structure of time and matter. This device could shatter time itself. The pilot crashed the plane. Here. Here on Grand Island in Lombos, in time forever. Dead. Or alive. We are all caught in this awful, angry half world. And we can't escape. Ever. That's how they explained it. As Leslie says, oh, there was a secret government aircraft that crash landed on the island and now we're all trapped in a time loop. We can't escape ever. Join us. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, and like it's under the guise of like, oh, our elimination dance. You're the last two. Oh my God, I forgot how they get out of here. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So they- They jump- well, they start to get attacked. So all of the ghouls oh, or whatnot, all the ghosts are coming after them, kind of like in uh, Carnival of Souls. And they jump on top of, of the, the snooker, snooker table. table. Snooker table. And the snooker table apparently grows wheels. And it just rides around like it's a dark ride at yes. a carnival. Yes, Which it is, is a slight connection back to the beginning of the movie, which is nice, but- it's hard to take it seriously because they're just sitting on a snooker table that's riding around. And you can't see what's going on. And there's all these people around them. And and then everything then they just kind released. of stops. They kind of like throw them out uh-huh. through the door. And then everything goes back to normal. Which again, it's a time loop. They can do whatever the fuck they yeah. want. I have written here two notes. They just hop on the snooker table and, and take it for a ride. Yes. Until everything stops. Yes. And then they get back on it. And then it's like a haunted dark ride. And then they're just safe outside again. Yes. No explanation. No. None. So then they get to the boat. And they're almost there. <laughs> Something happens to get his head sliced off. He gets caught in quicksand. Oh, that's right. Because again, <laughs> Janet comes out and says, come back, come back. And he runs back to her and he gets caught in quicksand. And he gets all the way down to where it's just his head. And then somebody comes by and slices his oh, head one off. Oh, of one of the zombie carnies comes by with like a, a weed whacker, but it's not a weed whacker. It's like a weed whacker, but it has an actual blade. So it's like an older thing. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's going to go up against his head, his head. Yeah. And we just hear him scream and that's all. And so now Rick's dead. So Carol's just kind of bobbing along in the boat. And then something the, grabs the her. The boat kind of eats her, I guess. Yeah. And pulls her in and we don't see what happens to her. But- then we go back to 1959. 1959, the party, and everyone is there, and they're at the party, and they're dancing, and they're having fun. They're dressed for the times, even if they weren't dressed for the times beforehand. And then it pans over to a window or a mirror or something. It's a mirror. And Carol is just. Well, she grabs the girl. So she ends up being the one who grabbed her at the beginning, yeah. I think, is what they're trying to say. And And so Carol is just. In the the mirror and freaked out while they're all having fun at the party. And then it just fades to black and then she screams. Yeah. 
End of movie. There's no there there's no rhyme or reason to anything. No. It's just a silly movie. There's nothing scary about it. No. It barely has anything to do with New Year's, which really upset me. And it's just a bizarre thing that more, exists. I wrote down a note partway through that says more than any other movie, I think, that we've watched so far. Well, maybe not any other movie. But the maximum amount that a movie could be like this, this should have been a Mystery Science Theater 3000 Oh, absolutely. Episode. 100%. And at the end, I wrote, I'm very upset I had to watch that without, like, a Riff Tracks or an MST3K episode about it. Like, <laughs> that's that's what angered me more than anything about this movie is that it should have been a Riff Tracks. Like, ugh, just, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. I don't either. <laughs> so, keeping in mind that there are no reviews literally no reviews on rotten tomatoes just the audience score what do you think this movie has 19 25 okay what would you give it i'm gonna give it a 15 okay giving it a 15 because at the very least it kept me watching because i was just like what's gonna happen next that's why i was gonna give it a 20 for the same reason. Like it was just it was just so nonsensical and it should have been a half hour shorter. Yes. And it's incredibly harmless. Like it's not offensive. <laughs> it's just harmless. Yeah. And uninteresting in that way. Yes. So that is purely because it had me wondering what are they going to do? Yeah. I gave it a 15. <laughs> and that is 1987's Bloody New Year. Before we move on to our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia. What hangs above Tina's bed in A Nightmare on Elm Street? Doesn't she have a cross on her above her bed? A crucifix. Yep. Kelsey, an urban legend. What happens to Parker Riley's dog? I don't remember anybody having a dog in urban legend. Uh, the jerk who's hosting the party? Oh, oh, so... The microwave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's gets an urban legend. In a microwave. Yep. I kind of remember of the old that. lady getting confused and putting her dog in the microwave to dry it off or something like that, and then yeah, so that yeah. happened to his dog. Fun. <laughs> All right. Our next movie is 2018's New Year, New You, which is part of Into the Dark, a Hulu original horror anthology series produced by Blumhouse where every episode is based on a holiday or seasonal event. Season 2's New Year's episode, Midnight Kiss, just aired on the 27th. So if you're looking for another one along these sort of, you know, anthology horror holiday stuff, there's a new, brand new New Year's one out. It is Hulu original, so it's the only place to watch it. This is also a recommendation to us from last year. Yes. From Twitter user Bearded underscore Prince. Thank you very much. Actually, thank you. I, I didn't know that Into the Dark, the series, even existed. I, I knew it existed. I was totally in the dark about it. Uh. Uh, anyway, this one is uh, based on a story by Adam Gaines and a teleplay by Sophia Tikal and Adam Gaines, directed by Sophia Tikal, starring Sookie Waterhouse, Carly Chaikin, Kirby Howell Baptiste, and Melissa Berglin. What is New Year, New You about? A group of high school friends get back together for a New Year's Eve party 
one of whom has become famous, and the others are all struggling with their everyday lives. And it's about them dealing with that. The conflict that ensues. Yes. Dealing with the demons in their past, I guess. Yes. Like I said, it is only available on Hulu, so if you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch it there. Should people watch this episode, I guess? It's an hour and a half long, so it's movie length. I didn't really like it. I wouldn't say yes. I thought it was all right, actually. I I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was bad. I just, there's nothing about it that I'm like, oh yeah, you gotta see it. Like, there's nothing about it that I think is good enough to be I think there is... I mean, it's undermined by all the shortcuts it takes, but there is a... It's not bad. There's a realism to it, I think, that I appreciated. If only for the celebrity character and how she behaves now that she's an internet celebrity. She's like a YouTube star. And there's a lot of that culture that they get kind of right here, I think. And so there's something to appreciate about that. I think it's funny because as soon as the movie was over, I was like, so that's just a different version of Tragedy Girls. And Chris was all like, they're totally different. I disagreed. The content of the movie is different. Okay, so in Tragedy Girls, as we all know, they get famous online and there's murders that result from that. And they have a fake persona that they get famous on. Right, but you can't, Tragedy Girls doesn't own that. That's fame. Right, no, I know. I'm just saying... Girl, they, A girl gets famous online is now it's owned by Tragedy Girls. No, I'm saying that New Year, New Year didn't do anything new with it. I disagree. I see what you're saying. They are... They become totally willing to commit murder in order to become famous, whereas she's more willing to commit murder in order to maintain her fame. But... Like, I, I see that, that the real persona is actually murderous. You're totally right. But the content and what the story's about are two wildly different things. Incredibly different things. You could theoretically call this Tragedy Girls, and it would make sense as a title. So, like, I, I get where you're coming from. I just think that that's such a minor, it's like an observation that you go, oh, that's interesting. But... Nothing was stolen. Nothing was ripped off. It's not that Tragedy Girls did it first, so now this is worse somehow. Like, it's none of that. I don't know why you feel that way. I just, I I think it's because I was reading a bunch of reviews and they were all like, this is so new. This is so real. Oh. This is well, so Well, it being unique. real is, is true. so original. Okay, original like, and unique, it's not. But you're right. It's absolutely not. But it is, it is real in a way. Yeah. Just taken to 11. I guess. Anyway, you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2018's New Year, New You. Hi, guys. Soon it will be a new year, and when the clock strikes 12, I want you to become the new you. What's she like? I don't know. I haven't seen her for a really long time. I'm so grateful you invited me tonight. Never have I ever bullied a perfectly sweet, innocent girl until she committed suicide. 
deserves to know the truth. Kelsey, can you get us started on New Year, New You, the New Year's episode of Into the Dark? <laughs> yes. Anthology series, a Hulu original horror anthology series produced by Blumhouse. Yes. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It starts with a flashback of a girl dead in a pool. And someone screaming, like, help me, please, and stuff like that. You don't know that's a flashback until later. Like, you might be thinking, that's how the movie ends. It's not. Well, kind of is. But but it's not. But it's not. So, then we cut to the present day. We meet one of our main characters, Danielle, through a, I guess it's YouTube, a YouTube commercial uh, for this woman, Danielle, who has created a product line called Very, Very Vegetable. <sighs> it, it's something that we see, like, you know, in this time that we live in, when everybody wants to try and be positive and be happy and be healthy. Well, and being a YouTube star and having no discernible talents, you become a lifestyle YouTube star and people just pay you to be you and make recommendations for them. And so you're just feeding them ads and then they watch it. <laughs> this is very much what this part of YouTube actually is. Yes. And she has her own hashtag, get well, Danielle. Uh-huh. And they explain that she's got her new TV show coming. Whole new TV show. And then she's talking about how this year, you know, you're going to be your best self, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't have to wait till tomorrow, guys. You can start tonight with my cocktail blends that are made from vegetables. I guess. Which I guess is just supposed to be funny because obviously cocktails are not good for you. Well, I think she's, I think she's supposed to be obnoxious. And I think, you know, these great ideas and tips and things like that are supposed to be bullshit. Bullshit. Yes. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, we then see Alexis, our other main character, and she is apparently a babysitter for this girl who is obsessed with Get Well Danielle. Yep. And she's jumping up and down on the couch, and she's like, she's my inspiration. She's the best person in the world. Um, these cookies I made are her recipe. They're paleo, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, Alexis is like, honey, can you please stop bouncing up and down on the couch? Can you please help me clean these things up? Yeah. And and this girl who is essentially our representation of the type of people that Danielle is speaking to. And later, Alexis will describe these kids as brats, spoiled little brats who just want to be like this persona, mm -hmm. but are not actually like the persona at all. And in fact, neither is Danielle. So it's all just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And this girl, Carly, is like, you knew her? You actually knew her in real life? You grew up together? How come you're not famous? You know, that whole thing. And she's got like a scar and she says, is it because of your scar? And she goes, no. 
yes, look, another perfectly fine scar supposedly ruining an otherwise beautiful face. Well, it's also just that she's extremely insecure because of Danielle. That's where I think the movie starts to go. It doesn't fully pay off, but I do appreciate that they went in that direction. The fact that it's like, oh, God, what's that character that, like, they reveal themselves and then they have a scar and it's like, oh, you're totally fine. What's there's nothing wrong with you. Ready Player One. Well, Ready Player One does that, but they try to make it seem like there is something wrong with him, and he's fucking noble for seeing past it, which is <laughs> fucking bullshit. But yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this beautiful young woman. <laughs> it's But, you know, she's in her head about it, and I like that they went there. It's really her, more her insecurities that prevents her from getting anywhere, and she's kind of blaming it on the scar. And Danielle. And Danielle, Yes. And then she says, I thought I would do something more important with my life, to which the girl says, so why are you a babysitter? Yeah. Which is so funny. I don't know <laughs> if you're going to keep this story in, but one time, one of my high school kids asked me, did you always want to be a teacher? And I was like, no, I wanted to be an actress. And she said to me, well, I'm glad that you chose to do something meaningful with your life. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a lot better than, so why are you a teacher? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> then we meet the other two girls, Kayla and Chloe. Chloe is obsessed with this whole persona lifestyle thing. And she she's like, oh, I want these boots. and They're $5,000 and I would spend that for these. But she, in fact, is broke, doesn't have a boyfriend, is extremely insecure about her weight and just all over unhappy, but does not present herself that way. No. The only person who seems to truly present who she is is Kayla. Yes, who is our black lesbian. Yes, and she'll be the one who dies first. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> but yeah, she's the only one who actually seems like I think that Kayla is the only one who understands that they're doing what their what their plan is for the night. The only reason that she's doing it is not because she's angry, but because she feels that what Danielle got away with his wrong. She probably should be angry. Because, anyway, we'll get to it. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is... She neither doesn't hold the, any, like, malice towards Right, yeah, neither uh -huh. of the other girls are truly doing it for the reasons that they're saying they're doing uh -huh. it. They, they're doing they it want because revenge. they want revenge. Yes. Whereas Kayla seems like the only one who's like, what you did was wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Their car, she, Kayla's car gets broken down. Kayla asks Chloe, are you nervous? And she goes, no. And Kayla says, I am. And we don't know why yet. And I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. What they planned to do was so obvious to me. Was it obvious oh, yeah. to you? Uh-huh. Okay. I wasn't quite sure that all three of them were involved yeah, in Yeah, you thought Chloe wasn't involved. Well, I wasn't sure. Like, I, I was absolutely positive that Alexis was planning something and that eventually it's confirmed that Kayla's involved. But Chloe seems oblivious to everything. So I wasn't quite certain if she was going to be involved or not, but it was very obvious that there was a plot going on here. Yes. They so. also at one point look at the magnetic rack of knives, and I wrote down... Chekhov's magnetic knife rack. Yes. And it comes back in, but not. But not like what you'd not expect. Not like importantly, yeah. <laughs> 
So they get there and they're like, oh my god, it looks exactly the same. So they're going to sell the house. Her parents are, Alexis's parents. Now, here's the weird thing. They keep talking about the incident. The accident. The accident. Was it clear to you? No. No, no. That the accident and what happened in high school were the same thing? Okay, no, no, no. I thought it was fairly clear that that was the case. I thought that it was very, very unclear of what actually happened. Which they do to a purpose, but from what I could tell, it felt like they were two completely different situations. I would say they were potentially two different situations. They treat it that way, and I guess it's supposed to preserve the the twist at the end? No, I thought it was more about people denying that she committed suicide, that it was an accident that she fell out of the window. Well, let me explain what it seemed like to me. Okay. Because the way they talked about these situations, it felt like what happened in high school was a really long time ago, and then what happened... The accident, it, it seemed like they had been, like, a home invasion situation. Yeah, there was a- And that she got hurt during that. Right. And so she they left the house, and now they're going to sell it. But that wouldn't be an accident. Right, but, like, why would the parents wait this long to sell the house? I don't think it had any- I don't think the selling of the house had anything to do with that. I think since the accident, they replaced all the windows- That's what happened. That's what the accident led to. Because later on, when Alexis throws a phone at a window and Danielle thought, oh, I thought it was going to break the window and fall outside and be totally destroyed. And and then they explain, no, ever since the accident, they replaced all the windows. So that's, you know, there could be the implication that, oh, because somebody broke in from outside. But I think they, it's I think it's up in the air until it clarifies as it goes along. They did but it not never make it clear. clarifies exactly what happened. They did not make it clear, and it just made for confusing for a confusing yes. watch. Yes, because I the entire film almost I was I felt they were two different things that uh-huh. had happened, and so it was really confusing when they would talk about these things and it, like. It made for just a a garbled mess. I understand exactly what you mean. It it's not helped along by the fact that again, they never tell you what happened. I mean, we'll tell you right now. It's not like some big secret that's revealed or whatever, but one of their friends, another girl from the group, Kelsey. <laughs> yes, the name was Kelsey, so that was weird. Throws herself out the window. Breaks a window and jumps out the window uh, of Alexis's bedroom. Lands in the pool from the second floor. And Which you wouldn't think would kill her. Right, but it happens twice. We'll get there. And somehow in the whole hullabaloo, Alexis gets cut by the glass. Yeah. And they don't explain how that happened yeah. at all. And that really bothered me. It's another thing where they're just unclear about what happened. And how am I supposed to know why this is important and how it affected the character if I don't know how it happened. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It made it made Alexis's motivations very confusing. Yeah. But anyway. So they're all sitting around drinking and doing balloons and stuff and they're talk uh, because Chloe just can't stop talking about 
Danielle's fame and good fortune. And she's saying, you know, oh, she's gonna, I can't believe she's gonna have her own TV show. And to which Alexa says, well, we'll see about that. And so it's obvious that at this point that they're trying to prevent her from getting her own show. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Why did you have to make so much stuff like you wanted to keep it a secret because you wanted to keep what they were going to do to her a secret. But the thing is, is that it's so it's so glaringly obvious what Mm -hmm. their what their plan is. Why not just tell us from the get go? If you're going to give us such clear foreshadowing, then just tell us and make it clear. Yeah. I think you're right. Otherwise, try and keep it a better secret. How about that? Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, do you think she really makes a million? And uh, Alexa says, I really don't know, Chloe. And then the doorbell rings. Oh, my God. She came. She actually showed up. Now, at some point before this happens, we get a very short clip, so short that Chris didn't even like notice it. We get a clip of Danielle. She's in this big empty room in a bathtub. So it's supposed to be showing us she's just got tons yeah, I, of fucking money. It didn't register for me like who it was or because we, we hadn't really been introduced to all the characters yet. And she's sitting in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, like just kind of a stark, lonely, isolated feeling. Uh huh. And this is the reason I'm explaining this is because it's going to be very important with how I read her character. And she's just sitting in front of this giant window and her phone goes off and she looks at it and she's just got tons and tons of fans and followers Uh sending her shit. And then she goes under the water. I thought this is Danielle's character. Danielle is actually genuinely unhappy, alone, miserable, depressed. Yeah, you know what? I think that was Alexis, not Danielle. Then why would she have all the followers and fans and she friends? She wasn't. No, she was reading Danielle's social media accounts and seeing all the people loving her. But why would she have a giant bathroom like that? Because it's her parents' house. It's a nice house. I guess that could have been her. That's a good point. But I'll I'll find it in the edit and. Well, if it if it is Alexis, they did not make that clear enough, which. Really, because this would have been the first time we've even seen her character. We've ever seen Danielle alone. Oh no, that's right. So this would be. So I was extremely confused when I saw that. Mm-hmm. I thought they were telling us Danielle is truly unhappy, miserable, alone, isolated, and so the entire film I was really fucking confused yeah. because I thought that they. They were trying to show that Danielle can't break out of her fake persona, but is trying to with her good with her actual friends, uh-huh. and that she genuinely feels bad about what she did. And so then, when she completely changes, I was just like, "What is happening in this movie? I don't understand any of the characters. I don't understand the motivations. I don't know what's going on anymore." Well, okay, so I think I think it works either way, honestly. Just because she behaves the way she does to preserve her way of life and the opportunities that she's going to have doesn't mean that she doesn't have private anxieties. But you would think that her character would not be as cruel and conniving as she is if that was who she really was. Well, just because you care about yourself doesn't mean you care about others. 
As a matter of fact, she's, ugh, if that is her, she is frustrated about all these plebs that are following her and loving her. It still fits in with her personality. Not if you read it to my understanding where she was becoming this get well, get well Danielle person to make up for what she had done. Right. No, I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. Well, that's what I was, that's what the impression that they gave me from that one scene. And that's why for the rest of the movie, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. We'll why give us out. that scene? You know what? I can find out right now. Apparently it is Alexis in the bathtub, but they don't make that clear. Yeah. I guess if, you, if you're paying close attention to the other things well, that we are happening. I mean, it's the very beginning of the movie, so we don't know what's happening. It could be Alexis getting ready to set up the party while Danielle is luxuriating in the bathtub exactly. looking at her social media feed. Yeah, so going back and having to see it again, it's so weird because watching that scene again, like, almost deliberately, they never show you the face of the person who's in the bath. <sighs> and that's kind of... Weird. Like, why wouldn't we want to see the face to know how that person is feeling? Yeah. Like, anyway. Well, that whole scene. Changed the way you saw the rest of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. So Danielle has shown up at this party. Yeah, and she comes in. She's just like, oh, my God, I had so many invites. But this is so much better. Yeah. No, she's very much on. And she's just like, I'm going to document it because she wants to take pictures to show what she's doing. Uh-huh. I'm with my besties, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you notice every time she goes for her camera, Alexis touches her scar. Yeah. She's immediately like, oh, fuck, people are going to see it. Uh-huh. And when, later on when they do a, uh, a big group selfie, she has to adjust her hair to cover the scar. So then as they're all making food for the night, and Danielle is just watching and not helping in any way. She says, uh-oh, uh, is, has that got milk in it? I'm DF. Yeah. What is DF? Dairy-free. Uh-huh. Do you mind leaving out the heavy cream? I'm DF. DF. Dairy-free. Wait, you're dairy-free by choice? Yeah, it's really bad for you. I do not care. There's no way I could give up cheese. Ugh, trust me, I know I miss cheese. So freaking much. So, like, how long have you been DF? Like, four years now. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? It seems obnoxious, but, like, you know, people. some people really are dairy-free. I'm not going to chide anybody for their dietary habits, but the way people act and announce and... Like, that's what I think bothers me about it, is is this is all a performance. It's not, oh, I can't have dairy. It's, oh, is that DF? Like, that's my problem with it. I think what bothers me is if you're not going to make the food and you didn't tell them ahead of time, you're fucked. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. That's my opinion about it. Like, if it's a serious thing, like, oh, my God, I can't have dairy. Yeah. You need to tell me that beforehand. Right. Because fuck you after I've made the food. Right. I was providing food to you. You didn't bother to fucking tell me shit. Too bad. As people who are preparing for a wedding and had to guess at some dietary needs. (laughs) And so she's just going on and on about like, oh, I'm so unhappy, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I should be grateful for what I have, blah, blah, blah. Alexis is getting more and more angry and then she ends up cutting herself. 
as she's slicing up some yeah. stuff. I, I don't know if this actress has ever sliced vegetables before or well, if the director told her to. I don't care. She <laughs> she was holding it with her fingers on top <laughs> and just like slicing right next to the tips of her fingers. Who holds anything that way, let alone when there's a knife coming down on it? It was ridiculous. If you're going to hold your fingers on top of a vegetable, you curl them back and you slide the knife along your knuckles so it never lifts up higher than anything it can cut. Like that's that, – that, come on. <laughs> Cooking 101, people. <laughs> so, they are in a steam bath, which will become important later. Yes. And they all have masks on, uh, facial masks. And they're all hanging out, kind of like what you would expect, like, high schoolers to do. Oh, no, yeah. It's very much like they're trying to relive the girls' nights that they had when they were actually friends in high school. Exactly. And there is something about this movie that I, I just – it just – they they do a lot of this stuff. They accomplish it so well. I think there's a lot of realism here with the way that, number one, young women would behave, especially with these resources. And number two, adults trying to recapture the fun of their youth. And number three, the stereotypical way that women treat each other. Especially later on, when people are dealing with each other one-on-one. -on -one. Kayla with Alexis. Alexis with Danielle. Danielle with Chloe. Like, the one-on-one -on -one stuff and the way they talk about the other people there who aren't in that conversation. Like, and all the YouTube stuff. It felt very real, I thought. I thought they did a great job of that. I agree. I will agree. They act very much like when you get a group of girlfriends together. Yes, uh -huh. it's very much like that. They're all just chit-chatting, and it comes up that Kayla has a girlfriend. Her name is Frankie. And she's like, oh, my God, I, I didn't, didn't know, know you, you were gay. Girls. And she's just like, yeah, I was in high school, too. Now, this I also was just too afraid to come out. And doesn't make like, oh, any so sorry. fucking sense. Of course it does. No, it doesn't. Because apparently Danielle used to make fun of her in high school for being gay. Right, but she didn't know she was actually gay. She called her gay and she made fun of her. So Kayla felt like she could not actually come out because of the way Danielle was treating the idea of her potentially being gay. It's like guys in a locker room calling each other the F word. And if any of those people are gay, they just got shut down. They just got told okay, I can't come out to these people. Like, it's the same sort of thing. I don't think it's that, oh, you knew I was gay. It was that, well, you made fun of me for being gay as if it was a joke. And you're the reason why I couldn't come out in high school. What's his name? <laughs> it's a woman, actually. Her name's Frankie. Oh my God, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you were into girls. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I, I was in high school, too. I was just too scared to come out. I'm sorry. But she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Not like apologizing for her stuff, but apologizing that she felt like she couldn't come out until later. Completely oblivious to the fact that she's responsible for that. She also explains that her and Frankie are going to move in together. Uh-huh. Which then spurs, and I, I guess... 
there must have been a cut in here somewhere because at this point they are now sitting on the floor, not in the bathroom. So first, when she's talking about the fact that they're going to move in together, she's like, oh my God, I have the best idea. What if I make a video of all the things that we hope to do this year? And so she puts the camera on to Kayla and she's talking about all these different things and she kind of gets a little bit political and Danielle stops it and she's like, we got to do it again. Yeah, we got to do that again. I try not to get political. It really bumps people out. And, <laughs> yeah. So just talk about your relationship Stick stuff. to your love life, Kay. Yeah, uh-huh. And she's just like, okay. You know, with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, I just feel like... Wait, it's shit. All- you need to start over. We try not to get, like, too political because it tends to bum people out or can alienate anyone that doesn't have my same politics. Um, maybe just, like, stick to your love life. Okay. Yeah, we're just going to start over. Hey, guys, it's Danielle. So she makes a video, and then she puts the video on to... Chloe. Chloe. But then Chloe changes it and makes it about what she's going to do the next year, because she says, I'm going to lose 10 pounds and get a boyfriend. Uh Yeah. And then she puts the camera on to Alexis, and Alexis is like, I don't want to do this. And... Danielle is just like, oh, come on. She didn't used to be this camera shy. Come on. Don't you have any goals? And that's what finally drives Alexis over the edge. She grabs it and she's like, get that fucking camera out of my face, Danielle, and throws the camera at the window. Uh-huh. This Which is does when not break. This is when the window does not break. And so Danielle's super confused that it didn't break. And then she t- says to Alexis, I was just trying to include you. That's the worst Like, come on, don't get defensive about that stuff and say you're the good person. Just be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't read the temperature correctly. Like, come on. And so Alexis storms out and Danielle's like, I'm really, I don't get it. Why didn't my phone break? And that's when Chloe explains after the accident, Uh they had all the windows sealed. Yikes. I thought the window was going to shatter and my phone was going to be totally screwed. Still shaking. <clears throat> yeah, um, Alexis's parents had the whole place like hermetically sealed after the accident. Um, or whatever. At this point, literally all we know is that there was an accident, something involving windows, and Alexis got cut. Mm-hmm. So Danielle goes and finds Alexis to kind of mm-hmm. fix the situation. And she's just like, you know, I'm so proud of who you've become. And it's just such bullshit. It's such condescending bullshit. And she yes. goes, let's just fucking party. We are not drunk enough for this. Uh-huh. And, and so then they, they do a, a game dance. Of never have I ever. Well, they do like a dance that they did for their eighth grade recital. I can't remember what oh, song. Oh, yeah. It. Oh, Unpretty by TLC. Yes. So damn unpretty. Which is very fitting of the theme because yep. she always makes people feel unpretty. Yep. Yeah, then they start to play Never Have I Ever. And we hear some funny stories about... Oh, but also, during this dance, Alexis is totally checked out. She's doing the motions, but emotionally, she's not there. And you can see in this mirror, Danielle can see that Alexis is just straight-faced and totally not into this. And yes, later on, they end up playing Never Have I Ever, where we found out that Chloe took turns... Which is, she let guys take turns with her 
one guy would go down on her, then the other one would go down on her. The nodder. Like, yeah. The, All they would do is nod. The nod. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he sat on the edge of the bed, and then I kind of looked at him, and he nodded at me, and I nodded back at him. And then I nodded at the guy <laughs> I was in bed with, and then he nodded back at me, and then it sort of just happened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I still don't understand how everyone knew that a nod means sex. What the fuck else is it supposed to mean? Hello? Thank you. (laughs) When you're naked. Yes. Pretty obvious. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like code for like... Let me get in there. Yeah, let me get in there. Which is fun. And I think the implication is, is that Chloe should feel ashamed that she lets men use her. But the way they described it, it sounded like a completely consensual thing that everyone was into. Like... Yeah. It's, but I, I th- there's a little bit of muddied waters there too. It sounds like Chloe had a great time and should be totally fine with that. But anyway. They talk about the fact that Alexis Peter pants at junior prom. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. And they never really go into that. But yeah, no, it's just fun. They're talking about embarrassing times. And, and then Danielle talks about the fact that she hooked up with celebrity. Yeah, no, Chloe says, never have I ever hooked up with a celebrity, and Danielle takes a drink. And then they go into this whole thing about, tell us, tell us, I can't, I signed an NDA, and the implication is that it's Elon Musk, it's the electric car guy, and the way she describes it is they had a one-night stand where he picked her up in a limo, and then they flew on a plane to his private island, then they had sex, she signed an NDA, and then she left, And Alexis is like, oh, so you're a whore. Like, you just let a rich man pay you with extravagant things so he could fuck you once and then send you out the door. Like, that sounds like a transaction. Like, that's not a fun adventure with a celebrity. And to an extent, she has a point. But also, if that's what Danielle wants to do, that's fine. But she goes hard on this. And the other girls are trying to kind of change the subject like, whoa 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 yeah. but it's almost midnight and so alexis says okay never have i ever bullied a girl until she committed suicide this is when she jumps on to danielle and starts as some people will describe it waterboarding her with champagne that's not how waterboarding works yeah that's not what a water you need to be is. inverted there you need to be inverted there's a cloth over your face and then you pour the liquid down their nose and mouth like anyway not going to give you instructions. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. But yeah, it's effectively waterboarding her with the champagne while the countdown to midnight happens and the girls aren't doing anything until she says, tire up. Tire up. And they tie her up with balloon strings yes. to a chair. That's why they got the balloons. Yeah. And she she has to encourage them. Hey, you all agreed that we do this. You know, and we, oh, okay, this is when it's set in stone that, yes, everyone is in on this. And they tie her up. And the objective is to get her to admit on camera that she bullied someone into committing suicide. I'm taking get well Danielle's advice. It's a new year and this is the new me. It's time to tell everybody the truth. What are you talking about? When we found out that you were going to be on TV, we knew we had to stop you. We're not going to let you stand in front of millions of people and pretend to be this perfect little princess, queen of wellness, psychotic phony. The whole world deserves to know the truth. And I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell the whole fucking world. 
I'm gonna ruin your life. Your whole perfect little life is based on a lie. You're a fraud, you're a terrible person. You're evil, you bullied everyone. You call Chloe fat all the time. She was bulimic for two years. You call Kayla an ugly lesbian. She was so traumatized she didn't come out to him in fucking 20s. Shut up! All Kelsey wanted was to be our friend. But instead you tortured her. You killed her. And then you just moved on. Sweetheart. I know that night was traumatic. We were both there. We were both trying to be her No, friend. we weren't trying to be Kelsey's friend. We tortured her. You told me that fucking with her was for her own good. That she was a fat, ugly loser who needed our help to become cool. Guys, I never said and that. And I fucking listened to you. I believed you because you have power over me. Just like you've got power over this army of narcissistic little fucking brats who are taking over the world, spreading and liking your bullshit like it's a fucking disease. You do not deserve to tell people to love themselves when you've spent your entire life making people feel like shit. But not anymore. It's time to tell the world what a terrible person you are. Hopefully ruining her career and making it to where she doesn't get a TV show. But this is a severely uncomfortable scene that puts Danielle in the victim position and Alexis in the psychopath position. And I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, it's obvious that this scene is not supposed to be cathartic for the audience, Right, because they haven't really established well that Danielle is an, that awful a person, at least not yet. Just that she potentially bullied somebody and that person committed suicide. So is this like an admonition at this point in the movie? I'm wondering, is this an admonition of people that hate when bad people succeed? Like, should we feel bad for feeling aggression towards these people? She tries to claim, Danielle tries to claim that she's not that person anymore. And that concept is a powerful and a very important thing. People can change. And if they're changing for the better, we should be celebrating and supporting that. But real people are really seriously affected by awful people. So it's weird that this movie positions it to Alexis being kind of the bad guy at this point. For this small portion of this movie, Alexis goes over the edge and too far. She smears her face. Part she of the reason, holds a knife to her throat. Part like, of the reason that I really didn't like this movie uh-huh. is because all of them suck. They're yeah. all bad people except for Kayla, and Kayla's the one who dies first. Yeah. You're sitting here trying to figure out what this movie has to say. This movie is just saying all women are shit. I think you're and right. all women care about is being famous and being popular. I think you're right, but then they turn the rest of the movie into Alexis being the survivor type and the one we are rooting for. Absolutely. She's not giving at the end. Look. Yeah, but that's only the end, not while you're watching the actual fucking movie. But then they ruin all of that with what she wants. Yes. Her end goal is bullshit. Yes, but I'm talking about what are they saying right now? What are they communicating to the audience right now? That all women suck. Ultimately, the movie does that. Yes. And that, and that fucking it's not sucks. That, okay, it's not that all women suck, obviously, because like you said, there is a good person here. Who dies! Yes. And then there's another person who 
Chloe sucks. Takes it. No, yes. No, I'm talking about Alexis, who takes advantage of the opportunity that she's granted. And we're supposed to be like, well, that's twisted. But like, I don't think that the mess, the message is that the way women treat each other can be toxic. And that's, I think, the ultimate message here. But also, like, yeah, no, fuck bullies. And it seems like we're saying fuck people who are trying to get revenge on bullies. Like, that's what the message turns into for, like, five to ten minutes in this movie. And it's it was very weird. Well, the truth is, is that Alexis is just as much yes. of a bully as Danielle is. If Alexis, and she's blaming Danielle for making her that bully, yes. Exactly. And if Alexis had not been cut, she'd probably be the exact same person as Danielle, which yeah. is exactly what the ending tells us. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. So anyway, we're getting into a lot of stuff that ends up happening, but... Alexis is very aggressive towards Danielle and tries to get her to admit it. And then when she videotapes her, which, by the way, come on, obviously coerced confession. We saw the same thing. We're watching the second season of You, which is on Netflix. If you watched the first season and liked it, I think you'll like the second season. It's more of that. <laughs> um, but there is a scene where, OK, this would obviously be a coerced confession. What good do you think it's going to be? But she tries to get a coerced confession out of. Danielle and Danielle doesn't admit it. What she says is I'm culpable because I didn't do anything to stop the bullies from bullying her. And then she committed suicide. So I feel guilty. And what Alexis wants is her to say, no, I was the bully, but she's unwilling to do that on videotape because she's not going to poison her career that way. She's going to turn this into an opportunity, which is kind of how Danielle kind of starts to make a change right here from the oblivious, controlling. The problem with this movie is it opens up so many questions and doesn't bother to answer any of them. It's bringing up this idea that these people that we that we aspire to be, the people that we love, they all have skeletons in their closet. There's yeah. not a single person on this planet who has not done something that they regret or has done something that other people would certainly not aspire to do. So just everyone sucks? Is there an answer? It d does it, it does anyone have the ability to make up for what they've done in the past? I th well I think one of the one of the major things that comes into play here is that people who try to tell people how to live perfect lives and then pretend that they also have perfect lives and become celebrities for this, this is a breeding ground for sociopathy. <laughs> and when you have mantras like nothing stands between you and all your desires, that's telling people to go be sociopaths. Yes. And center yourself ab above all other people when in reality, people that center other people above themselves all the time, that's not healthy. Really, it's somewhere in the middle. And so if you go to the extreme of I need to take care of myself above all things, oh, you're that dickhead friend. <laughs> that's you. So like, I think that's important too, but we'll get there. Anyway, things are getting a little out of hand and Kayla goes to the restroom and calls Frankie, her girlfriend, and is obviously upset but doesn't tell her anything and is like, okay, fine, I'm going to go. And when Alexis comes in, they have a conversation and Kayla's like, this is going too far. Because Yeah, because Danielle is refusing to admit it. And so Alexis is like, well, we need to take it further. We need to start hurting her until she does. And Kayla's like, I didn't fucking agree to that. Yeah. And what will come out 
apparently it was just Alexis and Danielle. Yes. That were there. So neither Kayla nor Chloe can know the whole story. Yeah. Uh What actually happened. And so Kayla's starting to be like, is I know Danielle's a bitch, but like, is anything that she's saying actually true? Is some of this true? But what's really upsetting is that Danielle did bully all three of them. Yes, all three of them. She made fun of Chloe for being fat. She made fun of Kayla for being a lesbian. I have no idea what she made fun of Alexis well, for, but it must turned, have been something. She turned Alexis into a carbon copy of her. I guess. Is, I think, what Alexis resents. But so, the idea that they couldn't believe that she would do what, what Alexis is saying she did is a little ridiculous. Yes. The idea that people are so dumb and so so capable of being manipulated is sad. Yes. But I think what happened is there are these three girls in a room. One of those girls commits suicide. Another girl tells their friends, girl three bullied her so much that she just couldn't take it anymore. And she jumped out a window. And now they're just starting to find out that, wait a minute, were you doing that too? You were involved too? You didn't tell us that. And it's the the idea, I think this is very important when we get into these one-on-one conversations, is things start to be revealed that, okay, the things that this person is saying to just me is not the whole truth. And because we're alone, nobody else can corroborate or reject this version of events. And that is important because now we have Alexis trying to reestablish her dominance over the situation and Danielle by telling Kayla what she wants Kayla to hear. Meanwhile, downstairs... Danielle is telling Chloe what she needs to hear in order to get Chloe to untie her. I can make you famous. Yes, she, she she's taking advantage of how much of a star fucker Chloe is. And she just wants to be famous herself. She just wants to be around famous people. She'll do anything to get that. And she knows that. And so Danielle is taking advantage of that. She's like, well, I came here really to see you again because you were the first person I thought of to replace me in this extra slot that I'm leaving for my TV show. What do you think? Do you have it in you to take over for me? And so that's all we kind of get of this conversation. When Kayla and Alexis come back down, Alexis gets close to Danielle. Danielle snaps out of the chair and like attacks her or something like that. And that's how, that's when things start to go to shit. When Alexis and Kayla wake back up again, After being attacked, they're in the sauna, and they're locked in there. Yes, and at first, Kayla thinks that Chloe will come and help them, and Alexis is like, I'm pretty fucking sure Chloe's gone to the dark side. I don't think we can trust Chloe for anything. Then we get a conversation between Alexis and Chloe, and Alexis is slowly unraveling her plan, which is the truth that we're going to kill Kayla and Alexis, and we're going to pretend like it was an accident. And <laughs> Chloe's like, what? I didn't know we were going to kill them. And then <laughs> Danielle treats this all very matter-of-factly. She's like, oh, well, I mean, if you think we can let them live and that they won't spill their guts about all this stuff and try to ruin us, then okay, we can do it that way. You know, kind of like, this is your idea now to keep them alive. I'm going to put your future 
in your hands and get you worried about it just like I am. Mm -hmm. And so eventually you'll take the actions that I want you to take. It's this manipulation is of this alpha female again. It's just it's happening just like it would in high school. Yes. Alexis and, and Kayla, after being in there for a very long time, find a bottle and use it to smash the window and try to reach out and grab the stick that's keeping the sauna doors closed. And they're like, Danielle and Chloe are like, oh, shit. And they grab the knives off of the magnetic knife holder on the wall. So at some point, Chloe gets Kayla alone. And Kayla's just like, what the They're fuck? hiding separately. And when Chloe comes looking for them, Kayla comes out of the closet where she's hiding to confront Chloe alone. Again, there's a lot of these alone one-on-one conversations where people are different people and try to manipulate the situation for their own ends. Kayla still thinks that she can turn Chloe, but Chloe is just like, you just want to get in the way. You want to be famous. You don't want me to be famous. So she ends up killing Kayla. Yeah, well, not intentionally, but her emotions kind of take over. And when Kayla gets close to her or tries to touch her, try to take the knife or whatever, instead of stabbing her, Chloe shoves her. Oh, that's right. And her head hits the counter and she dies that way. Yes. So she's like, oh, shit, now we're in it. Yeah. It's around this time that Frankie shows up and Alexis has the plan of, well, if we kill Frankie, we can pretend like Frankie killed Alexis and then we killed Frankie in self-defense. Yes. Or something like that. Uh, by, by this point, Alexis has had her leg cut by Danielle, but she gets away. And now so Alexis is kind of free in the house and they don't know where she is, but they need to deal with the fact that Frankie's here. So they bring Frankie into the kitchen and with Alexis watching, Chloe just stabs Frankie right in the gut. Yeah, Danielle gets her to do it, which, oh my God, how stupid and pathetic do you have to be? I would never do that. You want to kill somebody? You fucking kill him. I'm not doing it. Uh-uh, you are not pinning this shit on me, which is exactly what Danielle would have done, given the chance. Also, can we talk about the fact that it's a little bit weird that I know she's supposed to be this loving, innocent girlfriend? It's a little weird and controlling when you have a conversation and your your significant other is like, I'm tired, this kind of sucks, but I'll be okay, whatever, and then hangs up, and it's after midnight on New Year's, and then they're, they stop answering their phone, and so you drive to where that person is. Well, as far as I know, it's like right down the street. It had better be. I'm pretty sure that she. that's why she was saying, well, just come on home. Like, you don't have to stay there. And she's like, no, I should. Right. But if you and I had that conversation and then whoever it is that was on the other end kept calling after having that conversation and then wasn't getting an answer. So showed up like that's some. She's worried about her. No. Because she knew that her girlfriend was upset. I understand. I understand. But she's not answering her phone. I'd be worried too. Maybe asleep. Maybe I don't want to deal with this right now. The one who she's who she's not answering is you. And then you feel the need to show up. That's crazy ex-girlfriend kind of shit. Like, (laughs) but the movie doesn't address that at all. They make it seem like it's this perfectly innocent thing. It's just they needed some sort of conflict in here, some way that they were going to get caught and had to escalate things in the movie. And they didn't address the fact that we've been framing Frankie as this altruistic, great, perfect person. And but no, that's some... No. (laughs) If I'm at a party and I'm miserable and I'm like, 
I'll be fine. And it's after midnight and I'm not answering your phone calls anymore. Assume I'm asleep. So don't assume you've been murdered? No. (laughs) What if you have been murdered? Then I'm already murdered and I don't want you coming. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's around this time when she tells her the plan about killing Frankie that Chloe says, God, you're good at this. And Alexis says, yeah. Shit, it's Frankie. Kayla's girlfriend. What the fuck is she doing here? How the fuck should I know? What do we do? Okay. Hello? Okay, I got it. We let her in. When she isn't looking, you get the knife and you take care of her. Okay? Then when the cops come, we'll say that she shot up in a bit of jealousy because Kayla broke up with her and she wanted revenge. God, you're good at this. Yeah. And it's kind of an amazing story because then I can do a whole segment on, like, self-defense. Is the implication that she's done this multiple times? I think they're opening the door to that as a possibility, but I think it's more that Danielle is accepting praise. Yes, I am awesome, but also she's really good at controlling her, doing whatever it takes to get what she wants, and this is just an escalation of that. So yeah, she's really good at it. It, it, This could be her first time, it could not. It opens the door to an interesting question, but totally unnecessary to answer it, I think. But what I'm saying is is that Chloe's a fucking moron. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it, it, that was kind of a fun moment where the tension kind of breaks to, for Chloe to go, God, you're really good at this. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. They're chasing after Alexis up the stairs, and in the struggle, Chloe falls down the stairs and breaks her neck. And so now it's just Danielle and Alexis, and that's it. They have a long, long fight. They get on top of each other, and eventually... Uh, Danielle ends up yelling, it should have been me, which finally tells us she doesn't give a shit about Kelsey. Yeah. None of this was about Kelsey. Uh It was all about the scar that she got Uh because of Danielle. You're right. And I I like that. I don't. I don't. You don't like it because it says all people are awful. I don't think, I think they set up a long time ago that Alexis had already gone off the deep end and she was not a sympathetic character. My problem is then they run the rest of the movie up to this point right here, positioning her as the sympathetic audience stand in, the one who is fighting for her life. And it's like, no, before this, you already showed me that Alexis is awful. And now we're supposed to sympathize with her for an hour of this movie. And then you reveal to us that she's awful. You already did that. We already know she's awful. But they really, really pin it home at the end. So something happened where Alexis was trying to get out. So she was trying to smash the windows. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't like the windows not open. Like, I understand them not breaking, but do they not open? But whatever. So she's smashing the window and it's already it's already cracked when Danielle gets to her. They're talking. They're fighting. They reveal that. Alexis wanted to be the famous one. And when Danielle attacks Alexis and Alexis gets out of her way or pushes her or something, Danielle goes flying through the window. The glass actually breaks. She falls into the pool, which again, from the second story, you can get injured but dead. How they accomplish that is she hits the wall of the pool on the other side. Mm-hmm. Man, hitting that water slows your velocity so much. The odds that that would happen twice out of two opportunities is incredible but anyway it does (laughs) she dies the same way that kelsey died 
Okay. So, cut to that same show with that other influencer type from the very beginning and introduces Alexis. Hey guys, as I'm sure many of you heard, our dear friend and contributor, Get Well Danielle, passed away on New Year's Day. And here with us today to help us remember her is her best friend, Alexis. Thank you for joining us, Alexis. Thank you for having me. So, I read on the news, and I don't want to get too gruesome here, but it was a jealous lover of one of your friends? Yes. Danielle had encouraged our friend Kayla that she deserved better, that she should start the new year fresh and find someone who really loved her. And I guess Kayla's partner just took it really hard and lost it. What do you want the world to remember most about Danielle? It's hard to just pick one thing. She was a wonderful person. And I know she just want me to move through this and live my fullest life. This experience has taught me so much, especially the value of self-defense. That's right, you're gonna teach us today how to make your own DIY pepper spray. Yes, I am. Now and Danielle's how, best friend. Yes, Danielle's best friend, and they are so sad that one of their other friend's girlfriends went crazy and killed everyone, and Alexis was the only survivor, and we're going to dedicate this to Danielle. And, and now we're going to talk about self-defense. Yes, so this is a perfect opportunity to talk about self-defense which is build what, your own pepper spray. Which is what Danielle said she would do earlier to Chloe. Yes, she's like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. We can parlay this into self-defense. Which is another thing that's important about being a, an influencer is trying to capitalize on every opportunity to make it content. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here with both Danielle and Alexis. They are virtually the same person. And that's what we learn is neither of them are good. The only good people are dead. And one of the dead people isn't good either. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yes. Do you have anything else to say? I will say that the movie, it seemed very competently directed. Nothing really wowed me with the direction or the cinematography, but there were some fun shots with interesting uses of reflection throughout. So, I mean, they weren't just static shots of over the shoulders or anything like that. Like they had fun with where they placed the camera and what they put in the frame and it was engaging in that way. I also really liked, like I said before, the sort of exaggerated metaphor of the way women, especially young women, uh, treat each other, the two-facedness of it all, the preying on insecurity to get what you want. Like, I enjoyed that. I thought that that was very effective. With that said, though, Kelsey, what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? It does have a Rotten Tomatoes rating. Every episode of this series does. There have been 15 reviews. So out of 15 reviews, what percentage of people do you think like this? 63. 93. Wow. Though it starts slowly, New Year, New You builds into a twisty, chilling narrative that will please horror fans and millennials alike. Millennials. Millennials are almost 40, people. Come on. <laughs> overrated or underrated? Way overrated. What would you give it? Let me give it a 65. I was going to give it a 75. What makes you say 65? It's fine. <laughs> I don't think it's bad. 
No. I think it's competently made. I think the actors are fine. I think... I really like the actors in this. I think Chris is right. They they capture what it is to be a girlfriend. They totally do. Exaggerated, but yes, that is very real. Yes. It is a very... A lot of things about it are very real. But how you're supposed to feel about people, what you're supposed to understand about what's happening or what has happened. It's very unclear. very unclear. And, and they're trying to be fun and twisty with it. I think they tripped over their own feet in they, some cases. Yeah. I, this movie was not very fun for me to watch. It was for me. Maybe because it's not personal. Is that a thing? What do you mean? I mean, was it not fun because it, like, strikes a chord with you in a negative way? It just makes women look like shit. Well, it's made by a woman. It's It has literally nothing but female actors. I know, but... And, it's, and it is very real. Yeah. And I don't think it needs to be saying that all women are like this, and I don't think it is. But I do think it's saying, watch out for this, because this is kind of the way we, as a society, we kind of raise women. Yeah. I agree. Because it's, it, you know, dudes are awful to each other. Awful to each other. And they're definitely bullying going on. But it's also much more physical and less manipulative. It's more about domination than it is about manipulation. <sighs> and it's a stereotype for sure. Not all men are like this. Not all women are like this. But generally speaking... This is how we raise our young boys and girls to treat each other. And it sucks. And I think that's more what the movie's saying. Less that women are awful and more that the way we raise our young girls to treat each other sucks. And all this influencer crap is only going to make things worse. I guess that's a good point. I don't know. I just felt like it was fine. Yeah. I liked it. There's nothing, I, I mean, there was nothing scary about it. No. No, you're right. There wasn't really anything scary about it, but I thought it was interesting. There wasn't I thought enough it was tension. was well executed. Sure. There wasn't nearly enough tension. You knew right away what was going to happen oh, yeah. with the yeah, uh-huh. That was no good. That was that was bad. It, I I should not have gotten such a clear view of what was going to happen so quickly. Yeah. Especially since they were trying to keep it a surprise, and the way that they did keep it a surprise only made it confusing, and then the hints they dropped were just way too crystal clear. Yeah. All right, that is New Year, New You from 2018, thus concluding our... 2019 season. We're done. This is the last movie that we're reviewing in 2019. Yes. Our next episode comes out on the 6th, and it'll be our worst of 2019 episode, (laughs) where we'll go over the movies that we thought were worse, uh, or the worst of what we watched in 2019, and the week after that will be our best of 2019. I wanted to end on the best of to have a more positive, you know, outlook on things, and then we'll be back in the third week for brand new episodes. Kelsey, what are we watching then? We're starting the year off big. We're going to be doing, uh, it is a recommendation from the Chickapedia. Hey, hey. We will be doing The Exorcist. Yeah. Along with a movie I've never heard of 
called Ava's Possessions. Yeah, that's the one that Chickapedia recommended, right? Well, she said we should watch both the movies oh, okay. together. Great. Yeah. I never even heard of it. Nope. So. But The Exorcist, we've all heard of that one. And we've all watched it. I didn't watch it until it's re-released in the theaters. I didn't see the entire thing until I was like 17. Yeah. Not because I was like too afraid of it or whatever. I just never did. Yeah. I mean, it was part of the zeitgeist. I saw Repossessed before I ever saw The Exorcist. Never seen that. Repossessed is something else. <laughs> it's a Leslie Nielsen movie. I know. I know what it is. I've never seen it, though. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's part of the zeitgeist. So you know what it is, even if you've never seen it. Yeah. But yeah, we'll be talking about that in our first week back after our honeymoon. Woo! Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com where you can get a list of every episode we've ever posted, including a list of every movie we've ever covered in alphabetical order with lovely poster art. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod Cemetery. I'd highly recommend it because we put a lot of extra content on there, things we think of after the mics are turned off, clips of things that work better in visual format, uh, or just any other extra stuff we think of while we're editing. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. Five-star written reviews are the biggest help there. Even better than that is sharing us with your friends, and even better than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very much for listening. We love each and every one of you and hope you have a very, very happy new year. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Weird. I've got to get out of this place. Nothing but women actresses. Women actresses. Very slow paced. No backstory to how Alexis got the scar. No backstory on Kelsey, the girl who committed suicide. It was a lot of confusing scenes. New Year's at the Grand Island Hotel. It'll be a night you won't want to end. Get it? Because it doesn't end. Yeah.